Welcome to St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church live interactive podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And now for your hosts for your spiritual hour of power, Pastors D.A. Bennett and Josh Coates. Happy Tuesday and welcome back to our weekly podcast. I am Josh. This is D.A. We've got Jeff here and we are uh, ready for another great week. How are you guys doing? I'm doing really well. I've, I just I feel incredibly stressed because of all that's going on. But uh, it's times like these when I get to step away from the stress and and do what we're called to do as far as making disciples of Jesus Christ and how this podcast helps with that. So I, I love being able to shift focus and focus yeah, on this. It's a good distraction. I was telling Jeff beforehand, I said, you know, you ever have those Tuesdays where you just kind of wish that we didn't have the podcast because <laughs> there's so much going on but it is it's a it's a good distraction it's a nice 30 minute break from uh the chaos that is uh going on and just allowing us to dive into the sermon and the word and, and have a great discussion from the last week's sermon right jeff how are things in your world today i know hockey practice has started we're looking at a banner year for the broncos uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, been been a great off season, you know. Recruited well, uh, looking like we're going to come out of the gate at number one in the nation. So awesome. huge, huge target on our back. But uh, yeah, uh, couldn't couldn't be better today. You know, taking off for vacation for a couple of days today. Going down to Dallas, going to dream and drool over some some awesome collectible cars and, mm. and whatnot. So uh, be a good time out with uh, Bear and, and my dad, and we'll go down there and see what we can do in Dallas. And, you know, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a great week. Yeah, and those of you that don't know, Bear is not actually a live bear. That is uh, his term of affection for his child. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so are you a gearhead? Are you a car dude? No, I don't know anything. I mean, literally, I can't do anything but put gas in a car. I mean that's that's good. Uh, what's your dream car? Uh, here we go. One that doesn't need work. <laughs> <laughs> One that doesn't have a payment. So right. I've, I've got that. Right. You know it, it's funny because I've been asked that question before, and honestly, my mind always goes back to vintage yep. muscle cars. Yes. Uh, I, I was watching a movie yesterday, and there's a scene where they're at an auto show, and there is an old black. 442's got a spoiler on it. I'm like, God, yeah, that just that takes me right back to high school and yep. those those muscle cars or something else. Oh, I love muscle cars. Like uh, last year, we got to see uh, the Bullet Mustang oh. at the Meekum auction. So, and that's that's where we're heading back down this year. Uh, but yeah, got to see these iconic classic cars. So, what is what is your classic car that you would want? Well, again, you know, I like looking at them, but the thing is, I used to have like a 1942 Chevrolet pickup, uh, and of course, you're working on it all the time, and I'm Absolutely. like, I'm, I'm Josh, I know where the gas goes and where the oil goes, so it's not helpful. I don't even know the oil part. So, so, so my dream car would be a like a brand new Ford uh, F-150 King Ranch. There you go. <laughs> Maintenance free, you know, something that's maintenance free and comfortable. And again, it would have to have no payment. So I'd like to have to 
win a hole in one on a you know win this truck golf tournament or something and i don't see that happening <laughs> yeah i've golfed with you <laughs> oh, yeah, i appreciate that josh yeah. no, I, mean, I mean i'm not hitting any hole in ones either self-deprecation so is one thing but getting slammed by other people i don't is a have whole any room to speak i'm not hitting any hole in ones either but <laughs> so uh we've been in this series you know i was actually counting i said sunday we've been all summer long we were in this series creating the church and during the intro i started counting i think we had 14 sermons in that series is the church created yet well (laughs) as as i as i learned to say the church god has created and is creating creating because we know that god creates a church out of people and and people change and people grow and people involve and, and yet the the basic parts of what we read in acts as far as what got the church moving and how people responded to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that part of it I don't think has really changed. Right, yeah. Um, And so we looked at the idea of when the Holy Spirit was given, how do you become a member of the church? You know, when we have coffee with the pastor and we talk about church membership, it's like, well, to, to be a member of a United Methodist Church, you have to be baptized. That's a priority. And that's what, uh, Peter lays out in Acts chapter 2. Well, you you turn from your sin, you repent of your sin, you turn to God, and, of course, in that circumstance, they hadn't all been baptized, and be baptized. That was a sign of the covenant. And that gave people a great uh, starting point, a great foundation, but then their devotion. You know, we, we, sometimes we can laugh in, in the church that some answers never change. You know, what, what do you need to do to be a strong Christian? And it's in Acts two forty two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, they were devoted to all the the things that even today we should still be devoted to as the body of Christ. Right. Apostolic teaching. We say, hey, go to Sunday school, go to discipleship, go to Bible study, go to midweek. Starts go, tomorrow night. Go to midweek. Starts tomorrow night. Meal at five thirty. Classes start at six six thirty, and then beyond that, they were committed to fellowship. Which, again, was not just having fun, having a party, you know, tailgating or anything like that, which happens this Sunday. Uh, <laughs> right. It, it was that there was concern for and dedication to each other's highest good. There was healing when hurt. Fellowship was not just having a party. It was a vital part of their relationships with each other. Uh, and when they would have fellowship, they would share meals, including the Lord's Supper, which Jesus said, do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. And then finally, they were committed to prayer. And I, I, that's one place I wish Scripture had given us a little more detail is not just that they were committed to prayer, but what were they actually right. praying? Yeah, and, what did that look like? And, and maybe at that point, that's one of those things where God says, that's something that's going to continue to be the same and continue to change is what? and how people pray. Yeah. Uh, but then out of that uh, common devotion, they had uh, a changed lifestyle. Right. There you, and you hit on this uh, the previous week, this transformation that right. they experienced because of their encounter with Jesus, because of their um, filling with the Holy Spirit. Um, they are completely transformed. They are completely new. And I, I preached a sermon on generosity and, and what that looked like. You preached the sermons on obedience, but also those growing pains that, you know, if spiritual growth was all easy, we would be all in for spiritual growth all the time. Right. But sometimes our growth happens through struggles. It happens from the healing of those sins that we have committed and, and how it is the Holy Spirit roots that desire and roots that inclination out of our heart. Um, And when anytime we have something that God is blessing us with and we're doing good, we can always be certain that God has an enemy that wants to undo everything God's doing in our lives. And whether that's through the work of a spiritual imposter or it's people in another type of religion, 
or even within the church that are hostile to our way of doing things. And, and you know, sometimes we stand and fight. Sometimes we recoil and hide. But in that sense, the church scattered. But God used that for good because as people scattered with belief in Christ, they continued to share the good news with others who were there. Yeah, they continued to be bold and obedient. And th- that's the recipe for the the power of the Holy Spirit to be unleashed in our lives. And right. That's what we saw throughout the entire early church. So that's that's about a review of thirteen of the fourteen weeks. And so let's <laughs> let's deal with fourteen and we read about a watershed event in the life of the church. If you are reading a hard copy of a Bible and it has a heading in it, it will probably say the Jerusalem Council. And here's what the situation was. Paul and Barnabas are partners in mission and they have gone to Antioch on one of their mission trips. And after uh, they have established this in Antioch, some other people that I believe were spiritual imposters came in and they they were actually Jewish converts to the Christian faith, but they, they missed it at this point because they said, well, you can't really be a Christian unless you're circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas are, no, that's not how it works. And such a sharp disagreement happened that the people in the middle, these converts that some were Jews and some were Gentiles, uh, they're confused. And so they send Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. They send some of the believers from Antioch with them uh, so they can hear what's going on. And then after the decision is made, they send Paul and Barnabas and these believers back to Antioch, but some of the apostles go with them. And and what the decisions that were made, I, I love some of it. We really didn't get to talk too much about this on Sunday. But when the Jerusalem Council is saying, this is what you do, they said, we do not want to put a burden on people. In other words, we, we want to keep this thing of following after Christ to be uh, as simple to understand as possible. Yeah, I, I, like to, I like to say Jesus plus nothing. Say um, more about that. So, yeah, so um, I think even to some extent we do this a lot today. When I think about what they're going through, you know, they've got that tension. They're trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? What do we have to do to be a Christian? Um, and in some of their minds, it was, well, you become Jewish first, and mm-hmm. then you, you then become, you become Christian. Christian. Yeah. And so they were adding things to that. And I think so many times we do that as well in the church today when we're thinking about um, what it means to truly be a part of the church and a follower of Christ. We, we begin to say, well, um, you have to go to Sunday school. You have to um, go on a mission trip. You have to, and you just start adding to the list. And while those are all things that we do to live out our faith— and those are all things that um, are good for us to do and we should be a part of. I think sometimes we make it a checklist thing where it's you right. have to do that um, to be a follower of Christ. And, and so I like to think of it as Jesus plus nothing. Everything else um, is how we live out our faith, but it's not what saves us. It's a relationship right. with Jesus that saves us. The other things are a response to that relationship, not what necessarily um, saves us. And so I think of it as Jesus plus nothing. And and that that was the problem, is Paul and Barnabas were preaching, you just you know, turn from your sin, turn to God, be baptized. But these other people were like, no, you've got to be circumcised too. Then you're really right. going to receive salvation. And so that, that was the problem. And part of the greatness of what we learn in this, and, and sometimes this is easy to overlook, is what is going on when God is creating the church? The church is now being created with systems of accountability. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I love about church is 
when we do have those systems of accountability because when there's not a, a, a central kind of group that is discerning and trying to understand what God's will is, if, if everybody's just doing their own thing, then the result is uh, chaos. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if you're a young believer, you know, and or, or let's just say when you were young in ministry, there's a possibility that uh, somebody could say, well, now, Josh, to be a pastor, here's what you need to do. Right. And then you come into our tradition and they're saying, okay, now as a pastor, this is what you're supposed to do. And you may have friends that are part of other traditions say, well, you know, when you're a pastor, this is what you need to do. And you have to work through that to forge your own identity. But for new believers in Christ, you know, when, when Christ awakens us, when there's a, a passion in our hearts, we just want to learn and grow. And if people have a different understanding of that, it can create chaos. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. They're doing it this way. They're doing it this way. They're do- who, Who's right? Right, yeah. And so a couple things I think about in all of that. One is the church is becoming more complex. Right. You know, I preached on it several weeks ago on the, the growing, growing pains. growing pains, exactly. And, but at that point, the growing pains were still just there in Jerusalem. Right. It wasn't until the next chapter that Stephen is stoned and the church is scattered. And it's in that scattering where we see more complexity added to the church because it's just like what you're saying. Well, this church does it this way, or they believe this. So what, and this church does it this way. So what is it that we should be believing? There's a lot that are on the fringes that, um, you know, we see denominations argue, you know, how many times can you be baptized? Can you be baptized this way? Or does it have to be this way? Um, You know, communion, is it the body of Christ? Is it representative of the body? I mean, there's all these things that denominations... Who who, who can take communion and who who is excluded from communion? Right, there's all of those things... But at the end of the day, they're having to decide, okay, what are the, what's the foundation? What's the, the, I I think of it, um, when you walk into a Walmart, you know what to expect walking into a Walmart. Yeah, then I'm probably going to spend more money than I (laughs) intended to spend when I went in there. You can walk into any Walmart anywhere in the world, as far as I know, and it has a similar look and appearance. The layout. It's because there are, these are the things that are expected if you're going to have this Walmart there. Um, and so that, in some ways, is what they're deciding as the church. The central hub is saying, okay, we're scattered. We're everywhere. It begins to look a little bit different in the context and the culture. So what are the things that we have to hold tightly to so that we don't lose that important piece and and end up becoming something heretical that's just out there? And so um, that's what they're doing is they're laying that out so that they know here's the accountability. This is what is expected. If you're going to be a church of Jesus, wherever it is, these are the foundational things that you need to be about. Right. And, and and we can actually appeal to a better authority on this than you and me by switching the gear from uh, Walmart and to going Target. to Target because <laughs> Jeff worked for Target for a number of years. Jeff, is there any insights you can give us on store layout and, and what the uniformity of that from store to store looks like? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, all that is mathematically all lined out. Uh, there There's... Uh, tremendous studies. They spend millions and millions of dollars uh, figuring out exactly why people come to a store to begin with. And that's how they lay out the store. Uh, for instance, a lot of people go in to get milk, right? So they put milk and dairy all the way towards so the So you have back. to walk so through the entire walk store. Through the right. entire store. Oh, guess what? Oh, yeah. Now you start thinking about things. You've got end caps of, you know, special items that are either on sale or, you know, uh, these companies that uh, put put things out there. 
uh, to capitalize more on sales. So yeah, it's all mathematically and, and strategically laid out uh, the way that they are. And I'm sure there's accountability in place that if a target tries to go rogue and, and try to do it a different way, that there's going to be people above the owners or the managers or whatever that says, no, you can't be a target if it's not this way. Absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, that uh, the target that I worked for for several years down there in Norman, uh, way back in the day, OU played uh, Notre Dame. Yep. In Memorial Stadium. I was at that game. And so I was, was too. James so was, Harden was traded that night. I'll never forget. <laughs> yep. And so was the CEO of Target because his son went to the university in Notre Dame, and everybody wanted to go to a strategic or a uh you know uh gosh what's the word uh this notoriety of a place the marketing know, and all that stuff so what did they do they tied it in for uh a business visit so they came in and found out that that store was actually not doing the things that they were and there were some major ramifications from that yeah. and again that's part of what happens when there's not accountability is there is conflict and what the accountability would have done in target is a manager comes in and says okay you're not being accountable so we're going to make some changes the way that corporate has decided this needs to be and that's what goes on in the church there there's there's conflict going on in antioch so we're going to go to corporate you know we're going to go to jerusalem we're going to go to the apostles and we're going to appeal to them you give us the guidance you tell us what to do and so a church without these accountability structures is is a church that is going to People just aren't going to know what they're supposed to do. They're yeah. not going to, you know, they're going to think who's in charge, uh, and and conflict will. Yeah, and occur. then you can then you have churches that just end up believing all kinds of things. Right. Um. And and we actually have a lot of layers of accountability. Yes. At St. Andrews, as you and I do as clergy, I mean, we've got the staff parish relations committee. It's a committee that's made up of church members who there's a level of uh, uh, accountability there. Every year they the have church. to fill out an assessment of us are given a list of questions to rank us on for performance. And that's who we're accountable to. They say, Hey, you really need to pick it up in this area. Yeah. Um, district superintendent is over the South Oklahoma city or heartland Heartland district. District. Um, that's another level of accountability. There's the cabinet and the Bishop. Um, there's the book of discipline, which is there that uh, guides us in leading the church. Right. Uh, we actually enter into a covenant as clergy when we're ordained, and we, uh, much like a covenant in marriage, you agree um, to uh, uphold certain things and beliefs and teachings as clergy. And so there's a, a, a lot of layers of accountability that are there, and it's all to make sure that we're leading the church the direction that um, it's supposed to be led and not not end up coming up with some crazy theology or, or um, wild things that lead to chaos and confusion and conflict. And and that's actually something that's going on in our denomination right now is there are people that are not living in conjunction with our book of discipline, with our, our covenant. Uh, there's one person who uh, was elected as a bishop and they were uh, that ordinance actually you're not ordained to be a bishop you're consecrated and that was the election was challenged and our judicial council said well no that person can't be a bishop but that has not been overturned by the people that elected that person in fact i was looking at something last week and that person sitting in a bishop's office has actually been accused of heresy yeah. for teaching things that 
we as United Methodists simply do not believe. The teaching was that Jesus was seen as sinful, that Jesus was racist. And in, in our way of looking at it, we say the one who knew no sin actually becomes sin right. on our behalf. But that lack of being able to you know, stay accountability, it, it has people confused, and there is a lot of conflict yeah, that, it, that it, results over that. Imagine when you think about the speed limit, right? If there were not <laughs> police there to, to give tickets— um, or if they gave tickets, but then there was nothing in place to actually make you pay the ticket. Right. It's it's just chaos because at that point there's not a speed limit. It's either not being enforced or you're not having to pay whatever the the set amount is for the ticket. And so you have to have those checks and balances and accountability in place, um, or it, it's just chaotic and confusion and and conflict, like you said. And so the. Um the systems of accountability are not just there to be punitive. It's, right. it, it's not there to punish people and say, oh, you did this or you believe that. Here's what's going to happen to you. What happens is um, the spiritual authority helps us to know, and this was what they were doing in Jerusalem, what is right practice, but also to offer protection from spiritual imposters right yeah absolutely absolutely they're able to identify those better because they say no look these are the things we're about and clearly this spiritual imposter is teaching a different way leading a different direction and it's easier to identify that and because they laid out uh what was necessary and one of the places that i i think about in scripture where this really comes out is when you get into the book of revelation there's that whole there's seven letters to seven churches and the first one is, uh, I, I praise you because you are not giving in to the teachings of the Nicolaitans, which were a heretical group that the church had to deal with. And, and they are praised for defending the faith and keeping the true faith. Now, they're criticized because they were so busy on defending the faith, they lost their love for Jesus. And, right. and that's one of the things that when we're accountable and we're checking balancing is we come back to, you know, don't lose your first love, you know, don't lose your primary thing. Make sure that you're staying in love with Jesus, which is actually something John Wesley would talk about, you know, stay in love with God. But, uh, we, we do have to deal with those wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they're, they're plentiful. Unfortunately, they are, and and that's why it's important that we stay devoted to those things that transform our lives. And so, as we become more and more aware, this is who Jesus is. This is what He taught. This is how we then live. That we begin to mature in our faith. The actual decision was, hey, they don't have to be circumcised. That was the actual decision. Right. But then they came in and said, well, let's let's talk about four things just that. We're going to require you, you know, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols because people think you're participating in pagan worship. Don't uh, eat meat that has been strangled or consumed blood. Again, pagan rituals, but also Jewish dietary laws. And then, you know, abstain from sexual immorality, which, again, that's one. It's like, yeah, the church has always said that. But to me, it, it just says of all the things that were going on, it was the idolatry and the immorality that were the really big cultural things that the church was right. having to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you ended the sermon this week because uh, what I recognized in it, because I know the direction that we're going in the next series, is you really laid the foundation for right. um, really where we're going next by saying grace is the gift of God offered to all people. 
And I love that emphasis on all people. The, the, the question for, you know, do you have to be circumcised to have salvation? You know, again, that was, no, you don't have to do that. And I love how it says it in uh, 15, I believe it was verse 11 of the book of Acts, that it says, for, you know, we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of Jesus Christ. And that is a message that we just... It is a timeless message. It is a message that we share time and time and time again. But, friends, the reality is it is by grace, undeserved grace, undeserved favor that God gives to sinners like us that promises us salvation. Because at that point, again, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might know the righteousness of God. And by righteousness of God, I think uh, Jesus became sin so that we might know what it meant to be in right relationship right. with God. And this this idea, this theme of all people uh, is the, the, the thread throughout the entire book of the Bible. I mean, it's there throughout. When you think all the way back to Genesis 12, um, he says that I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to all the nations. Right. All the nations will be blessed through you. Think about... Um, the angel comes to uh, the shepherds and says, I have good news that of will bring great, great joy. joy to all people. All people. And the fact that it was shared with the shepherds is, uh, and you know, it, it highlights even more so the all people because they were considered spiritual outcasts. They right. were ritually unclean. Um, and you just go through scripture over and over in this idea. I mean, Jesus going into the temple and flipping over tables, you know, you've made a, a a house of prayer for the nations, a den of thieves. I mean, it's it's all about nations, all people. That's God's heart from the very beginning. And so um, to not recognize that God's gift of grace is available to all people, um, just it rips the heart out of the gospel, in my opinion. And, and I think this is something that we experience whenever we have conflict or drama or whatever you want to call it in a church. Sometimes we get so weary in the midst of it. It's just like, can't we just go back to the simplicity of the gospel? And I think that's what the apostles did. I think that they said, here's the answer to your question. Now, here's what we're going to require you to do. But salvation is because of the undeserved grace that Jesus Christ gives us all. And, and friends, that's always our hope. Uh, our hope is that e even if we get it wrong, that we're still operating with a sense of grace, uh, that God does accept all people. Doesn't matter what we've done. Uh, as, as I like to say, there, there's nothing we have ever done. There's nothing we will ever do that can make God love us any more or any less than God does in this moment right now. Amen. Imagine when, when you're at your best, it doesn't mean God loves you more than he does right now. When when I'm at my worst, it doesn't mean God loves me less than he right. does right now. That's the undeserved grace of a perfect and holy God, and I'm so grateful for that. So any closing thoughts you have today? No, I'm just excited about the direction we're going in this next series, uh, starting next week, uh, looking at Ephesians 2, um, and, and, and really honing in on God's grace even more. So I'm excited about that. Wonderful. So yeah, friends, uh, Ephesians 2, you can start reading that chapter. Uh, we took, a word, again, the word create, which is our word for the year, and it says, for you are created anew, and we're going to look at what that means. I also want to remind you that this Sunday, we are celebrating our 29th birthday as a church. We're turning 29 for the first time, and we're doing a tailgate theme, and we just want to invite you where you're jersey for your favorite team i've got a friend who's a chicago bears fan and he told me he's going to wear a chicago bears jersey this sunday uh you know i'm, I'm gonna i have a jersey the stat we got it worked out 
we're going to be fly this week. You wish you were part of the staff. We're going to look so good. But I have another jersey at home. I will see if my daughter wants to wear it because, you know, it's a glorious jersey. Uh, but if you're able to come, 8.15 is our traditional service, 9.30 and 10.50 or our modern worship. And then after that 10.50 service, we're going to have plenty of food. We're going to have games. We're going to have football games on. Snow cones. Uh, snow cones. We're, we're just going to have a lot of fun, and we hope that you'll come and celebrate 29 for the first time. Friends, we love you. God loves you. Hope to see you this Sunday and again next Tuesday. Hey friends, D.A. Bennett, St. Andrews Community United Methodist Church. I want you to know that we are discovering some real blessing and benefit of digital discipleship, but we also want to talk to you about subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, it's under the church's name, and you'll get some different uh, video devotions each day. So if you're looking for another venue, maybe it'll work for you. God bless you.